0: Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B,
1: here's Daniel Sallerson. How goes it? Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We are one day close to the Friday, and that's always a good thing. As the Deep Voice man mentioned earlier, I'm Daniel Salerson filling in for Sean Kelly, who is en route to Salt Lake City, Utah, where the Pelicans look to bounce back tomorrow against the Utah Jazz. I say bounce back because it was a rough one last night in Denver, where the Pelicans fell to the Nuggets 137 to 107. Denver, who is just as shorthanded as the Pelicans, didn't score less than 31 points in a quarter, including a 40 point quarter in the first. The Pelicans led up a season high seventy points in the first half, and 137 points is a new season high as well. The Nuggets won on three-point shooting and points in the paint last night. They made a season-high 15 three-pointers, six coming from Aaron Brooks, who had 24 points off the Nuggets bench, and they outscored the Pelicans in the paint 64-46, to led by Kenneth Fareed, who had a game-high 34 points. Anthony Davis left the game after playing just 10 minutes with back spasms. He finished with six points. Hopefully, we'll get an update on him later on today. Tyreek Evans led the Pelicans with 27 points. What's mind-boggling about this Pelicans game, the Pelicans shot 45 free throws and made 35 of them, almost doubling the Nuggets, who only made 18. But the Pelicans still lost by 30. After the game, Sean Kelly and the rest of the assembled media caught up with Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams.
2: When you, when you look at the, the last three played and, and then this one tonight, did you feel like a, a slide started here against them in the first and just never could recover? Well, yeah, we, we couldn't. We didn't play well to start the game. Um, they shot the ball really really well, and uh, like I told our guys uh, in the month of March, we set a, a high bar for how we can play regardless of who's on the floor, and that's what we expect, and, and they all agreed to a man. But we didn't play well tonight, and they shot the ball really well. Um, you look at these numbers, since I've been here, we've never given up those kinds of numbers with our defense, and um, that, that's, that's the toughest part for me is allowing teams to score like that even when they're shooting the ball as well as they did from three. Um, I thought they had way too many easy uh, points in the paint 64 and they made 15 threes and we were um, not great in the paint especially in the first half uh, scoring ourselves so um, it's a a tough loss we gotta flush it and um, try to regroup as far as our mentality and what we have to do to to play at a high level the way that we did um, last week. Was there any point during the game where you thought you'd be able to kick them back into gear to where they had played for you in March? Yeah, we, we got it to 13 and we just couldn't make a layup. We had like two or three transition opportunities. Uh, we missed a dunk. Uh, B-Rob gets a shot blocked and we just couldn't, we could have cut it to 8-7 during that stretch and then it's a whole different ball game. Instead, it stays um, at 13, then it goes to 16 and then 18, and we could never recover. No answer for Fareed, especially with Anthony having the back spasms. Well, he, you know, he played with a, a great deal of energy tonight, um, and it wasn't a, a lot in the post. A lot of it was transition and just driving by our bigs, uh, dunking the ball with his right hand, which we talked about him being a strong right-hand driver, but didn't do a good job on him tonight. Any,
3: any additional word on Anthony? No, it's just on
2: back spasms. Um, he felt it a little bit this morning. He tried his, his best to get out there and, and play. He was great to start, but then when he sat down, it locked up on him, and he couldn't recover. And I was close to just pulling him uh, to start the game. But he was like, Coach, I'm good. I can go. And then when he played, he looked good. And then when I took him out of the game, I think he got his second foul everything locked up on him and then when I put him back he just he couldn't do it and we just pulled the plug.
4: So the Pelicans
1: will move on from this one and hopefully take game number two of this three-game road trip against the Jazz tomorrow night. The Saints made some news yesterday signing safety Marcus Ball to a three-year deal. Ball spent the last two seasons with the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL and he'll join us today on the show. We'll also take you to Jacksonville, Florida. No, not for vacation. But to continue our NFL draft coverage, Mark Long is there from the Associated Press who covers the Jags on a daily basis. And I'll pick his brain about what Jacksonville might do with that number three pick. So a full show today. Let's get right to it. Coming up next, the newest safety of your New Orleans Saints. Marcus Ball joins me next.
5: As one Intergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy.com.
0: There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300 with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today hardwood hardball and hard knocks this is the black and blue report
1: well the saints continue their busy offseason yesterday by signing safety marcus ball to a three-year contract and joining us now via the telephone is mr ball marcus thanks for coming on and welcome to who dat nation
4: uh thanks for having me and i'm a proud member
1: now absolutely now first off just your thoughts on uh joining the saints
4: uh, excited. Um, a great opportunity, and um, I'm very, very blessed and um and thankful for the opportunity to be a part of the who that nation. And look, uh, very, very much looking forward to it.
1: I don't know much about your free agent process, but what was it about the Saints that made you want to sign with them?
4: Um, just, just, the, just the who that nation. To be honest with you, to be a part of the such a such a great franchise and uh Coach Ryan and. and Coach Payton and the, and the guys uh, have really showed me a lot of um, a lot of love and respect, and they have supported me. And um, you know, we kind of connected on a couple ideas, and you know, it was uh, pretty much a perfect fit.
1: Now, you being a safety, now you have the chance to play with Kenny Vaccaro and Jairus Byrd, who the Saints just signed a few weeks ago. What do you hope to gain from playing alongside them?
4: Um, first of all, it, it, it'd be a great opportunity and, and uh, a great. Great chance to learn from those guys and to be able to be in the same locker room with the caliber of guys that those guys are. Uh, they already, you know, have set their marks in the NFL, and um, I'm pleased to pleased to say that I will be, you know, you know, looking forward to meeting those guys and learning from those guys. Anything I can learn, it, every day, every meeting, every practice, whatever.
1: We're talking with the newest safety for the New Orleans Saints, Marcus Ball. Uh, Marcus, he've also had the opportunity. Well, now you have the opportunity to work with Rob Ryan, the defensive coordinator. You mentioned talking with him before you signed your contract. He really turned the Saints defense around last season. Your thoughts on working with Rob, and what did you know about him before signing with the Saints?
4: Oh, I knew he was a, I knew he was a Ryan, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> and those guys are very much energetic and uh, very in tune with their players, and uh, they very, very care very much about their guys. And uh, that's something that very uh, attracted me to uh, Coach Ryan and uh I know he has to go get it all defense, and uh, he's he's going to throw you a couple different looks. And uh, I know it's going to be a thick playbook to learn, but I'm I'm eager to get in there and start learning and and, and get enrolling.
1: I'm not trying to cause any trouble, but you are an Atlanta native. Were you a Falcons fan growing up?
4: Uh, uh, not really, man. To be honest with you, I was just a, a Deion Sanders and a, and a Michael Vick when they came to the Falcons. I, I jumped on the bandwagon, so I can't say I was a a Falcon fan all my life. I, not not pretty much, no.
1: Okay, good answer right there. <laughs> so
4: it'd be great. It'd be great to go in and and take care of business against those guys, man.
1: Absolutely. Marcus, uh you, if you could pick one strength and one weakness of your game, what would it be?
4: Uh that's tough. Strength would probably be my uh my anticipation. Um uh, I'm 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 pretty much a film head and uh I do a whole a lot of studying and um, you know, I I try to try to anticipate what's happening. Uh weakness would be um Pretty much anticipation. I try to I try to get the jump before the offense anyway. So sometimes that gets me in trouble.
1: Now, Marcus, you played your last two seasons in the Canadian Football League with the Toronto Argonauts. As far as rules and logistics and stuff like that, for some people that really don't know a lot about the CFL, what is the biggest difference between the two leagues?
4: Oh, uh, the field size um, would be one of the big differences. uh Also, it's twelve guys on the field instead of eleven. That one more guy. Always, you know, he, he's either going to hurt you or he's going to help you. Um, and then, and the wide right receivers on the offense, you know, they they get the they get the running start in, in their motions. So that's a very difficult way to you know to approach it and, and defend those guys. So so that that causes troubles also.
1: Is that going to be something that's going to be tough adjusting to, as far as the the rules in the game and the running wide right receiver, or is that something that really is not going to be a problem coming back to the NFL?
4: Well, I hope it's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> football is football. It's it's uh in can, Canadian football or whatnot. Once that ball snaps, it's football. So it's uh, it's uh it's pretty much you know whatever you learn, whatever you can do, go out and produce.
1: What can you take from your experience the last two years in Toronto? It seemed like you had some pretty good years there.
4: Um, I learned I learned to be a pro. Um, I learned to. Uh, Experience. It was a great experience living in Toronto, living in Canada, and uh, experiencing the great Canadian lands up there, and uh, playing with a great group of guys in, the, in a great organization as the Argonauts. Uh, I can say um, I was I was pleased um, to sign with the Saints, but uh, it was bittersweet because I, you know, I really like I said, it's a great organization that I was in. I was really lucky to fit right into the Toronto Argonauts uh, team. So, I mean, I miss those guys, but I wish them best of luck though.
1: Um, For some of the guys that maybe uh, don't go right away to the NFL, um, is the CFL probably the best place for them to start? Because you get, you know, sort of like NFL experience there, just a different league. Do you recommend it for other guys going there? You know, they have the Arena Football League and things like that. But it seems like the CFL is probably the best place for some to go before trying to get into the NFL.
4: Um, that's pretty tough, uh, Daniel. I don't wanna I don't wanna say, you know, that's the best place to go. I, I just wanna tell tell those guys who you know, who don't get in right away to I mean, keep faith and keep fighting and keep grinding, you know what I mean? Either way you go, AFL, C F L doesn't matter where you go, you know, if you as long as you keep working hard and, and believing yourself and believing your skill set, uh, it'll work out for you. And um whichever league you end up in, wherever you are at, it doesn't pretty much matter uh, if you're if you're if you believe in it and if you're working hard, you'll reach your goal eventually.
1: Good stuff right there, Marcus. That's the newest safety, Marcus Ball, for the New Orleans Saints. Marcus, thanks for coming on today and uh, welcome again to Who Nation.
4: All right, thanks for having me.
1: Who that Coming up next, our tour around the NFL continues leading up to the NFL Draft as we talk Jacksonville Jaguars with AP writer Mark Long.
5: Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are auctioner. We are also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care, one more reason to choose Ochsner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, connecting is as easy as finding the Ochsner name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, Healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Pelicans.com and New Orleans Saints.com, Your first stop when following your teams.
1: Our tour around the NFL continues leading up to the NFL draft, and our next stop takes us to Jacksonville, Florida, where the Jaguars hold the third pick. And joining us to talk about the Jags is Mark Long, who covers the Jaguars for the Associated Press. Mark, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks
3: for having me.
1: Now, as I mentioned, the Jaguars sit at the third pick in the draft. Before I get into who might uh, go at number three, the Jags signed Chad Henney to a two-year deal. Are they wanting him to start, or will will he be used to groom a rookie QB if the Jags decide to draft one?
3: Well, both, actually. He's going to be the starter. They have named him the starter, and they're really uh, going to ride with Chad Henney here, and primarily because they don't feel like there's a quarterback in this draft who's ready to come in and start and so they don't anticipate using a quarterback with the number three pick. Uh, they, they're looking probably more like the second round to grab a quarterback and maybe groom him and mold him and see what happens down the road. But uh, because of that, because of their feeling on the quarterbacks in this draft, I mean, listen, there's some talented guys here. They just don't think any of them are Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning types who can just come right in and uh, and are, will be ready. So. Because of that, I think that they're, uh, you know, they, they went with Chad any and they're probably looking to fill some other holes and uh, address quarterback later. And maybe even, I mean, they're going to draft the quarterback, but uh, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if they drafted a quarterback in the second round this year and then turned around and drafted a quarterback maybe in the first round next year.
1: What positional needs are top of mind for the Jags heading into this draft?
3: Well, defensive end is a big one. They signed, re signed Jason Babin, and they brought over Chris Clemens from, uh, from Seattle, but, you know, both of those guys are in their 30s and in their waning years, and so they've got to get a young defensive end who's going to be double-digit sack guy for the next 8 to 10 years. I mean, that's, that's really what they need. They were last in the league in sacks last season. They've been pretty pretty pedestrian in sack totals the last 5 or 6 years. So that's the area they've got to, got to address. Uh, receivers, another one, with – Justin Blackman being suspended, uh, still suspended, and they just they can't count on him. There's no, no real timetable on on when he'll return and if he'll stay out of trouble. So they got to get a receiver. They've got Cecil Shorts, a good little number two guy, but he's certainly not a go-to number one receiver. So they need another receiver. And then interior offensive of line, uh, they you know Brad Meester, longtime veteran center, retired after last season. They parted ways with Uche Nwery. They went out and got Zane Beals from, from Denver in free agency, probably their, their top free agent signing. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a guard spot. But they still need it. They have center and right guard still to fill and, and maybe even right tackle. So they really want to, you know, have some holes on the offensive line. They really want to solidify that thing, especially the interior part of that. And I would say those three, uh, receiver, defensive end, and uh, interior offensive line.
1: After talking to reporters in Houston and St. Louis, it seems like both teams are willing to trade down because of the depth of this draft. Do you see the Jaguars being open to trading down, or do you think they're set to make a pick at number three?
3: Yeah, no no question that they would love to trade down. I think this is a team that they've got 11 picks already, but uh, it's a team with a ton of holes on both sides of the ball, really not a very deep roster, a rebuilding team. You know, they're in year two with Gus Bradley and, and general manager Dave Caldwell, so there's a lot of holes on this roster, and, you know, they got 11 picks. They'd love to get 12 or 13, and so if trading down can do that, they would be more than more than willing. And I think, you know, I think all those teams kind of target Atlanta as a team that's possibly in love with Jadani and Clowney and willing to, to, to move up. So it's a matter of who can package probably the best deal for Atlanta if Clowney's going to be there at, at two or three.
1: That was going into my next question. The Jags have eight picks in the last four rounds, including three of them in the fifth, so you think they're going to use those as trade bait to try to maybe trade down and possibly get some uh, more picks in the second, third round, something like that?
3: Yeah, it, it could be, it absolutely would be a possibility. I think they want to get the right the right value, and again, they don't want to, this isn't a team that needs to trade out of the first round. Right. This is a team that would like to trade down maybe, maybe three or four picks maximum. But they still need an impact player in that first round, and again, there's a number of impact guys. I think the Jags would be very content dropping down and getting a guy like like Sammy Watkins, the receiver out of Clemson, or getting a guy like Khalil Mack, the defensive end out of Buffalo, who really fits Jacksonville's scheme. So, you know, if they can do that, that would be great. If not, I think they're I think they're very apt to sit there at three and make a pick. Uh, I don't. It's not going to be a quarterback, and you know, it certainly probably won't be an offensive tackle because they, they took offensive the tackle last year. But it certainly could be, you know, a clowny guy, a clowny type if he's there, Khalil Mack or Sammy Watkins if they gotta go in a different
1: direction. If you had to pick one of them and put your G, put your GM hat on for a second, if you had to pick one of those guys, who do you think the Jaguars go with at number three?
3: Well, I mean, how do you not how do you pass on Clowney if he's there? Right. I mean, you know, he's he's just been an unbelievable player in what's considered the toughest defensive conference in in the country. Uh, you know, yeah, they take some plays off, and you know you got to make sure he's motivated. But uh, if you can get him motivated, and Gus Bradley's a great motivator, if you can get him motivated, I mean the sky's the limit for this guy, and uh, in, in in what his his ability and his upside. I mean he's just phenomenal. I mean how do you pass on a guy people are saying could be, you know Reggie White Lawrence Taylor type guy.
1: Right. At the same time though, do you think he's there at number three?
3: <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the $10,000 question. Nobody knows. I mean, you know, is Houston going to go quarterback? Is Houston going to go clowny? Is Houston going to go offensive tackle? And then what happens at two? Two, I think, is the real wild card here mm-hmm. because, you know, St. Louis is sitting there and, you know, probably going to entertain offers from anybody and everybody, you know, who wants to jump up there. And, you know, so, and, you know, so what does St. Louis do? And, and St. Louis definitely needs an offense to tackle, so do they take that offense to tackle it too, or do they try to trade down a couple of spots and, and take a Robinson or a Matthews or whoever else is available? But I, you would think Robinson or Matthews would be available a little bit further down, mm-hmm. so, uh, so maybe they try to trade out that thing. I think that's the, that really is the linchpin of this whole thing. You know, I think if Crowley falls past Houston, one of those teams from four on down will try to jump Jacksonville into the two spot. And grab Clowney. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's Atlanta. I know Atlanta's in love with Clowney. I don't know who else, but uh, you know that that's to me the wild are now. If Clowney goes first. I think St. Louis may be stuck there because I don't know that anybody's going to trade up to grab Bridgewater or Manzel. Then again, right. you know quarterbacks get overdrafted every single year, so you know somebody will fall in love with those guys. And and what's not to fall in love with, really? I mean, Bridgewater's been fabulous, and then you know Manzel and. Obviously, his workout was uh, left nothing to be
1: desired. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be an interesting draft for sure. Looking forward to it on May 8th. That's Mark Long, AP writer, covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mark, thanks for your time this morning.
3: Hey, no problem. Anytime.
1: When we come back, I'll wrap things up. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
0: Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Wednesday, April 9th, when the Phoenix Suns come to town. It's Entergy Coastal Restoration Night at the Smoothie King Center where the first 5,000 fans in attendance receive a Pelicans car charger courtesy of Entergy. Tip-offs at 7 p.m. With the Pelicans Fest pregame block party getting underway at 5.30, featuring live music, interactive games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available now at pelicans.com.
3: I'm Pelicans forward Jason Smith. Every day, one in six Louisiana households are at risk of hunger. I'm attorney Morris Spark, and every day Second Harvest Food Bank helps thousands of our local neighbors in need. That's why I'm teaming up with the New Orleans Pelicans to ask you to join us in the fight against hunger. Text the word Pelicans to 80088 to join the Second Harvest family, and you will also have a chance to win autographed Pelicans gear, floor seats to a game, and much more. Join us, because together we can solve hunger.
0: Thanks to the internet, anyone can get a show these days.
1: Welcome back to the show. About to wrap things up from Studio B over here on the campus of the Saints and the Pelicans. Our thanks to Marcus Ball and Mark Long for joining me. Tomorrow, Sean Kelly is back in the hosting chair from Salt Lake City, Utah, where the Pelicans will look to get back on track against the Utah Jazz. Tomorrow, our NFL Draft Tour takes us to Cleveland, Ohio, where we'll find out what the Browns might do with the number four pick. We'll also have Sean's interviews with head coach Monty Williams from tonight's Monty Williams show. And Oscar Combs of the Big Blue Radio Sports Network will talk Kentucky basketball and his greatest memories of Darius Miller and Anthony Davis. The Monty Williams show is yours tonight at 8 p.m. on 105.3 WWL-FM from Salt Lake City, Utah. Sean will have his most extensive visit with the head coach, plus a recap of last week, a preview of the remaining seven games, and David Wesley will stop by to talk about the emergence of Jeff Whitney. Well, that'll do it for today's show. Enjoy this beautiful day in the Big Easy or wherever you might be listening to the show. And until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a tremendous Thursday.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.